everyone, it's John from CEO Raider. Visit us online at ceorader.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Stitcher. First subject today is one that I think bears repeating. I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine today who's an investment banker and is looking to take a technology company public. I won't say what sector or what company, but oftentimes what happens in the world of IPOs, a number of companies, as I think about my past experience, maybe a quarter or a third of the companies that I used to talk to prior to those companies going IPO. And when I say prior, I'm talking about maybe 12 to 18 months prior to an IPO. So companies that are just about to IPO, they're, they're looking at different banks. They're going through a process called a, a bake-off as they select bankers to represent them in the IPO. And then subsequent to the IPO, the research analyst, of which I used to be one, provide research coverage of those companies post-IPO. And occasionally you run into uh, private companies who are going through this process and you realize that this is their first exposure to you know, Wall Street. And maybe they've received some coaching from their advisors prior to, uh, to, to meeting with, with bankers and research analysts. And they've started to learn how to tell their story and things like this. I would advocate at, at the risk of of repeating myself from an earlier podcast, I would advocate that as a CEO, as a founder CEO, the sooner you learn how to tell your story, the better. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One would be prior to your seed round, prior to your series A round, you know, the, the, the better you're able to tell the story, the tighter story you have, the more effective you're going to be presenting your story. Your story is more than just a PowerPoint deck. You know, a lot of VCs will, will screen your company with a PowerPoint deck only. And I've ripped into VCs without naming them. Maybe I should start naming them. But if your mode of due diligence is solely looking at a PowerPoint deck, you the VC, that's pretty weak. Back in my M&A days, if, if I had a team member who screened companies solely in reviewing decks, that, that's not somebody who would be working for me very long. Due diligence is a lot more than reviewing a PowerPoint deck. When the opportunity comes that you meet with venture folks in person and you get to that next level in the due diligence process, then your ability to tell your story effectively is, is going to help with everything. It's going to help get a deal done. It's going to get a help deal done. Help get a deal done, perhaps at a better valuation. You oftentimes, in the world of venture capital, in the world of M&A, if your preferred exit is to sell your company during the IPO process, if people like you, people being investors or corporate buyers or institutional investors, if people have confidence in you, they're probably going to award you a slightly higher valuation than another company, all else held equal. Part one is the ability to tell your story effectively to the venture world. And being able to tell your story effectively means being able to des describe your business. Here's what we do. Here's the problem we solve. Here's how we're different than other people in the space. You may be, you may be changing the paradigm completely. You may be defining a space, but if that's not the if that's not the case, if your if your product or service is, is is being rolled out into an existing space, then it's important that you be able to articulate how you're bringing new value add to the table for customers and how that point of differentiation separates you from the competition. And it's also important to be able to articulate how that point of differentiation is sustainable. So if it's something that that the competition is going to be able to replicate in a short period of time with a small amount of capital, then that point of differentiation is entirely defensible. You're not going to enjoy the benefit of an incremental valuation, for example, an extra multiple of EBITDA or an extra multiple of revenue or earnings if what you bring to the table isn't sustainably different. So the ability to describe competitive differentiation, the ability to describe what drives your business from a revenue and profitability standpoint, what are the, I know there's any number of drivers, but being able to 
to focus in on the key drivers. It's important that you keep the story simple for investors. That's critical. And lastly, I would say the ability to tell the story concisely. The same approach applies to institutional investors. So as you're preparing for your IPO and post-IPO, it's important that you as CEO, your CFO, anybody else that you've deemed appropriate to speak with buy-side and sell-side investors, everybody needs to be on the same page with the story. And, and you want to tell it in the same manner as you would have told it to the venture folks, more or less. Those same principles apply around describing the business drivers, describing the points of competitive differentiation, so on and so forth. Those same principles apply. You're going to continuously tweak your story over time as you learn, as you receive questions from investors. So the story will slightly evolve at the, at the margin. And I just think it's important that as CEO, you dedicate some time to, particularly if you're a founder CEO, that you dedicate some time to Wall Street, pre-IPO, post-IPO, so that people become familiar with the story. If, God forbid, you miss a quarter on the revenue line, the earnings line, or both, or you've issued guidance that's below what the street was looking for and the stock takes a hit, you'll probably get the benefit of the doubt from investors, buy side and sell side, if they feel comfortable with the story, if they have confidence in you, if they believe what you tell them, you know, maybe the stock doesn't trade off by 10, 12, 15 points. You know, if it's not a terrible miss, maybe it only trades off a couple percentage points if they have confidence in what it is that you're telling them, which boils down to the, do they have confidence in, in you? Because at the end of the day, a number of investors, yes, they're investing in the story, they're investing in the industry, they, they, you know, they, they, they're buying into macro trends. You know, think about mobile as a mega trend, a mega macro trend, that would be sort of an example. But they're largely buying into you, the quality of the management team. So it helps to tell the story effectively, it helps to own a little stock if you're a public company. There's always a red flag for me if on the IPO and a follow-on offering, if after kind of year one or two as a public company, the CEO's equity stake was down to zero or something negligible. And that was typically a red flag. And I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs run lean financially, and the IPO is an opportunity for you as the entrepreneur to finally make a little bit of money. But to sell your entire stake is typically not a good thing. I know it's not easy communicating with the street, communicating with investors. If if you're in that position and something you want to talk to, feel free to, to, to ping me. It's definitely more art than science, but there is a little bit of science to it, and I'd be happy to talk people through it. See everybody next time.